Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. edit my opinions or my luggage for travel <laughs> shut up oppenheimer i hardly know her <laughs> you guys it's andy's girls i wrote down the number i do in fact think it could be wrong i think we're at 435 445 i keep on calling it three something i know we're in the fours and I'm so excited to have a return guest, one of my favorite people, bringing some Kennergy to the clothes today, which I'm Debatable. so, <laughs> which I'm so excited to unpack. You know him as director of social for entertainment at Betches Media, host of the fabulous podcast, new way to pronouncing fabulous, mention it all, and creator of Bravo by Betches. Welcome back to Andy's Girls. Long time, long time. Dylan Hafer. Dylan, how are we? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> um, so we need to discuss Barbie. Yes, we're this Clawfist is definitely more dream house than Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> Um, but Wait, ma- and guys, just to say, we're going to talk a little bit about Barbie. So like skip maybe like five-ish minutes. I don't do time whatever those are called um i'm new at podcasting let's talk a little bit about i mean like spoiler yeah. alert, it's about a doll right like we don't have to like we're not going to tell you like the ending of the movie but right. if you don't want to know anything just just scooch a dooch it on a little yeah i will in fact include a time thing a timestamp in the okay. show notes so yeah, you're, you're... look at the timestamp and then scoot it forward but i actually don't know which ads will be at the beginning of it so that timestamp is probably gonna be off <laughs> Because I don't, I don't, I don't actually, um, I don't, I don't buy the ads. Um, Dylan Hafer, tell us your thoughts. Uh, I loved it. I'm a big fan of Greta Gerwig. I, so I've, mm. I've been excited for this as long as it's been percolating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, everything about, I think a lot of discussion of the marketing leading up to the movie and how kind of omnipresent it was, which. Uh, it was a lot by the end. It, it was a lot. There but were I, like Barbie cookies and things by the end. I think, um, you know, it feels like they achieved their goal, though. It's the largest ever opening weekend for a film directed by a woman. Yeah, it did like $9 billion. <laughs> what, what was it? It was like hundreds of million. It was In like, the U.S., it was like 162. Oh, shit. And the worldwide, it's like over Three. 300 worth every dollar uh, yeah i mean i think it was i mean i've also i also saw oppenheimer this past weekend i'm a bi- did you do a barbieheimer uh no i saw uh barbie on thursday evening after some drinks with friends Great. and then i and i enjoyed uh nachos with cheese sauce during the film uh <laughs> Ugh, i can't do Sarah, liquid foods it's m- movie I, don't, th- you, I have things with food I we can't. don't judge the movie theater snacks. but it's like i don't it's like i don't understand butter on popcorn okay it's like the 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 wet of it okay. i don't know I don't as get is it. I as is your it. right um as is, as is my and, right as and then i right. saw oppenheimer on saturday afternoon at the uh the imax at the lincoln square amc which is one yes. of around i believe 
30 70 millimeter 70 millimeter IMAX theaters in the world um the, one of the largest and it was really spectacular so i'm we- annoying like that <laughs> so is it do you need to be like inside of the bomb like what's the what's the reason because it's expansive and it's christopher nolan yeah. and he's a genius I, I genuinely he's one of my favorite directors he's incredible i've seen yeah. the batman trilogy nine thousand times i just rewatched it recently it the really, dark knight uh, rises really is incredible i mean it's really you watch it for the third let's keep it real the first is like okay and then the second's like all right and then the third is like holy shit with the 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 second being the dark knight is all right no no no, it's great i mean he okay. made his memory it's phenomenal but like the third to me is okay poetic okay. although and i don't know you're like i prefer uh i need to have marion cotillard and uh <laughs> she does a tom job. hardy in the mask i mean listen what can i tell you no she tom hardy in job. this one oh tom hardy was so fucking good in the dark knight rises you know he's also really good in dunkirk which i saw recently in a theater it's it's really great about the war it is the same war that oppenheimer takes place partly during a lot of stuff a lot of storytelling happening during that time across continents so how much i don't want to know anything specific about oppenheimer like i genuinely as an idiot i'm like no spoilers like literally don't tell me what happens at the end genuinely um so is it like do you really want to crawl into a hole and cry forever at the end because i've heard from people that it's like dark it's it's a little devastating i would say in a way that feels very um very like meticulously crafted such a genius and i think he really is so i think like one thing leading up to this movie that people myself included just didn't have much of an idea of is like okay so the the marketing feels like they want you to feel like it's an action movie but like obviously yeah, it's not thriller. it makes <laughs> right, it like, feel like it's a thriller right and of of course there are moments of suspense and you know if you if you haven't read the 700 page biography that the movie is based on then you don't know kind of all of these like historical mm. wrinkles yeah which so a wrinkle in time really so like for you know for me i was obviously invested in figure in knowing some of the the plot points yeah. unfolding but it really does feel like this kind of really introspective character study both of mm. of him as a person but then also kind of these ideas that his work unlocked oh unleashed God. in a in really terrible ways yeah. but i think you know it's one of those things where it feels like there is so much to it and like mm-hmm. i i'm excited to see it again because i think there are a lot of layers and honestly barbie is the same way like there's a lot going on in barbie it's mm-hmm. visually so rich both both of these movies are and like just have so much attention to detail from everyone involved and i i feel like it's cool to have really popular mainstream entertainment that feels so carefully done. Cause I think sometimes it feels like the TV show that the most people are watching or the movie that is making the mm-hmm. most money is kind of like lowest common denominator or, you know, just like simple entertainment. And I think, you know, Barbie is a pretty rare example of something that is, I mean, wildly appealing to everyone, <laughs> everyone, literally everyone. And, you know, we see that in the social media, in the box office, in like every fast, you know, I've never seen more people dressed for a movie at yeah. a movie. And agree. But at the same time, it's not 
it's not like the the easy no-brainer mm-hmm. like Mattel made a movie about Barbie. It's like there was a creative vision that was really mm-hmm. carefully executed. And I think it's cool to see that kind of storytelling and that sort of, you know, just level of care, like really occupying the public consciousness. Yeah. And the fact that Barbie was originally going to be a um, Amy Schumer and what's her face? Juno. Um Diablo Cody. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> thankful that that didn't work out, to be honest, because I think it was that would have been an entirely different movie. Right. And while it could have been great and thought provoking, I just think that this film is exactly right. Like the the layers to it were perfect. Greta Gerwig just like respects women and respects her audiences, which include non-women, but putting the focus on women's experiences in stories in a way that feels fun and doesn't feel like it's like preaching to us mm-hmm. like where it doesn't feel strident and it doesn't feel like and I'm gonna tell you what about women being treated like shit and there we go like it just feels there's a a warmth to it and sort of like a protectiveness of like you know we're I'm actually going to say things right now but I'm going to yeah. do it in a really clever smart way that I really appreciate it I really like as every single person I know who went to it has connected with it mm-hmm. across all genders which I think yeah. is important and I think there's it's also interesting to see uh, you know I spend too much time on social media and like t- Twitter especially this last few days mm. every almost every like like critique or like hot take I've seen about Barbie is very clearly from someone who hasn't seen Seen the movie right and so it's kind of I mean funny isn't the exact right word because it's like you know lame that people are whatever but like it is the way that like you said every single person I know who has seen it or I see on social media reacting to it is like really on board with what it's trying to do and kind of how it accomplishes that. And that there are, (laughs) there's so many people who their instinct is just to be like, no, this is bad actually. And it's like, okay. Well, it's like some of those negative reviews of which there are few and far between. And I think a lot of them really are live in the social media space, but it seems like they're focused on people who don't necessarily either understand or maybe more specifically or more accurately don't agree with irony like the positioning of Ken it's like and the Barbie movie says like Ken is an idiot and Ken and it's like well let's look at the greater landscape of how gender politics and gender roles have worked in narrative storytelling on television movies for generations and we're looking at one isolated uh, movie that's poking fun at how women are treated Mm -hmm. more than saying men aren't shit which i mean you know you know not ted but like the the, the we, love, we like alan <laughs> we love we stan alan in this house but like the focus is really on don't you think it's funny to see a man treated the way women are expected to be seen forever and ever amen it's not men suck which again blink size <laughs> you know how we feel. I mean it, that was the thing that I just was like okay well people are gonna find a reason to get upset at anything but I think the people who go to the movie really understand and it's okay if you disagree but I think what I have seen from people whose voices I trust is that there's an understanding here of exactly why this film is being made and at the level that it is like in the fact also that there's no um 
that it's everything was like filmed on a set mm-hmm. in England, in England town is incredible. Cause you can tell, like, I want that. I don't want special mm-hmm. effects everywhere. I don't want green screens. Cause I don't care what the fuck the green screen can do. I want to see this stuff exist in its own universe, which yeah. I loved. That's another interesting co- like connection between Barbie and Oppenheimer is that both of these are huge, big scale. Oh, I didn't know that about Oppenheimer. Lavish feeling movies yeah. that were filmed largely without relying on we love visual effects, right? And that there is, I I saw like a clip of an interview with Christopher Nolan where he mm, was talking about. why he likes to use practical effects instead of CGI Mm -hmm. as much as possible. And he said that it's really hard for their, it's really hard to create a sense of danger or like a feeling of like threat with computer generated imagery and that he wanted, you know, this is specific to Oppenheimer, but this is something he's used in multiple of his movies that like when the bomb is going off, there's this spoiler alert (laughs) in the the test. Sorry. The test works. Um, There's this like, rawness like a it it, feel, it feels like you're watching something real because you literally are of course they yeah. didn't explode a nuclear bomb in new mexico for the movie but like they were using there's actual fire and like actual yeah. sparks and, and i think just kind of those things when you're watching a movie where the, it's like cgi focused and it's done like pretty well you can kind of trick yourself into forgetting or not focusing on it Mm -hmm. but then when you see the real thing and like with barbie the idea that in that barbie land set like everything is constructed and real and like the the back there's like backdrops of the sky and like everything you could touch and like really like feel it in your hands like we all see that like we all see that and it's and like you just pointed out like it feels good to see that right yeah, and I also just have to say, speaking of Barbie, that like, listen, there are a couple, I was thinking in my head, like, who are the actors whose work I may or may not see in full every time, but I'm going to be interested because of their name. Like, there are a few people who are like that, where I just like think, and they're big names, and maybe they're character actors, where I just like think of a couple people, and like, when they're coming out with something, I may or may not see it, but I'm going to be interested in understanding what's going on. And Ryan Gosling, honestly, is one of those people, and yeah. I just feel like this is such a delight because he is having so much fun like it the look on his face throughout the movie it looks like he's like not that he's going to break character but it's he's truly chewing the scenery and thank god there's actual scenery there to chew (laughs) but he's having so much fun and people are i don't know how much of this is like whatever um christopher gas style but it does feel like he could get nominated for some big fucking awards for this i know that sounds ridiculous <laughs> but it's like listen melissa mccarthy had every right to be nominated for bridesmaids it was a tour de force performance and i think this is for him mm-hmm. like not not to put aside margot robbie who does an incredible job but like in a supporting role because his should be supporting he should be up for supporting he it's just an incredible performance he's so fun he is so funny and his press for this where he's talking to reporters about like finding your kenergy it's been there all along is so funny i'm gonna watch some of those clips after him that's gonna be my reward once this ep is up like i cannot get enough of him i can't I i'm obsessed with him i know i think there is sometimes like you melissa mccarthy is a great comparison that it's easy sometimes to discount like a really committed comedic performance because I think in our minds it's like oh like you're being silly or you're you know whatever it's more the writing or something but when you see a performance like that that really just like 
leaps off the screen and takes up, you know, like every moment that they're on screen, they're doing something and it's active and it's, it's really just kind of like fully committed. It's like, oh, that is really special. Yeah. And it gets back to the idea of women focused content, which includes most obviously reality TV and housewives. Dylan just kind of talks. He's turning over his phone. So, oh, no, it's like, so a, kindly it's like a Twitter <laughs> notification. I just no, don't I loved it. See. No, but you were like very polite in how you turned it over. I well, was like, I, I didn't want to like clatter it on that. I was, I was into it. But the idea <laughs> of women focused content, including movies like Bridesmaids and like Barbie, I mean, I'm sure there is, it's no coincidence that the idea of Ryan Gosling maybe being nominated for big awards is discounted, not because it's coming from, and you might disagree with it, but not because it's coming from a comedy, but because it's coming from a woman-focused comedy. And this is the conversation that happens when we're talking about specific forms of reality TV, most especially reality TV that's not only geared toward a woman-majority audience, but features women in every show on Bravo right now, not to say that men aren't in the cast, but universally, Mm. there's more gender parity on shows like Below Deck, but on Housewives, the focus really and truly is on women's stories. And it's interesting to see a little bit of this small amount of critique or backlash, I would say it's probably a better use of the word, against Barbie. When you think of the environment that so many of us as Bravo viewers, let alone content creators, exist in, the world of this feels like fluff or the, the, the world of um, a woman's story isn't enough. Yeah. You know, that's and it's about the idea of women finding pleasure in things that have to be invalidated or, or discounted. I mean, it's, it is a fascinating kind of journey when you think about the Bechdel test and like the idea of women in conversation with each other. I mean, like Housewives passes the Bechdel test. Like, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, I think we're getting to a different kind of chapter, I think, for many of us in just reading about maybe Housewives even, where it's like, harder to just say it's a guilty pleasure and leave it at that yeah I mean I think like I mean for me personally I feel like I mean the whole idea of like guilty pleasures I don't love but also just the fact that it's like something that I've built a career on it's like well if it's just like some dumb throwaway thing then why why is it a literal industry yeah (laughs) but also it's just like when you actually think about the stuff that's happening on these shows and the community that they create and the you know the kind of world around them it it's real like it's tangible Mm -hmm. and I think you know seeing the all the stuff that Roni has been going through the last couple of years, just like following that journey the fact that we have this like new group of women that we're following it doesn't feel like trashy it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like there is anything to feel guilty about it's just mm-hmm. like a tv show yeah and the new york of it all is interesting because you know i um there's an hour plus patreon episode up now about all things bethany and jill and <sighs> there's going to be another one soon enough with some responses and and um, Allie? I know. Allie! Allie, participate! I need a witness! Enough with the Allie! <laughs> but there's um, there was a part of a conversation between Bethany and Jill about the New York premiere on Bethany's pod 
that focused on the idea of these women as influencers and like, well, you know, back in the day when New York began, we were moms or people who weren't yet married, i.e. Bethany and like and didn't yet have children if that was something that she was thinking of, which she was uh, for those of us who watched. I mean, New York um, with Jess, with Jason. Like, 1. Wait, 0. do I have to explain who Bethany is? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was a, a critique that many people had and might still have, myself included, certainly before New York premiered, of concern about the cast being made up as made up rather of influencers. Like, what will that mean <clears throat> for the storytelling on New York if content creation is at the center of not like these women's character but of the drive right like Mm -hmm. the sigh of it all of taking photos and everything else and Jill had thoughts on that she wasn't seemingly thrilled with it and I understood that and a part of what she was saying was like you know it's like the story picked up the reboot picked up after we at the end of the original franchise like Instead of restarting, which it sounds like she would have been more interested in it, it feels like it just picked up where everybody's famous and everybody wears glam and, you know, you make a point of bringing a lot of outfits to things and it doesn't feel like a reset in its entirety Mm. from the ground up. And I'm curious for your reaction to that, if you in fact agree, having listened to the episodes as well about Bethany and Jill, from Jill's perspective... I mean, certainly noting there can be an appreciation but not agreement. What are your thoughts on the new universe of Housewives with the reboot? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a fair thing to bring up. And I I do, I talked to um, Sai. I had Sai on my, actually, it's coming out this week. But I we talked about the kind of influencer thing and how people feel about that and I I think it's really interesting seeing her kind of in the cast as the one person who is like an influencer yeah. as her job yeah that she's not like a 25 year old running around the city great point taking photos in Soho and like going to her apartment that her parents pay for and you know like I think some of the things that people think of when they think of an influencer like to see Sai as a woman with a husband and kids who is living in this beautiful home in Brooklyn and she's like a like self-made woman as far as I know like grew up in New York City woman of color like she really is a super interesting person who has built this life for herself and is like a business mm. and so I think I think like there's a that's a a separate thing that I think is interesting but then the idea of all of them kind of being like almost like they say on The Bachelor like not here for the right reasons like the idea that oh well when we started 14 years ago you know there wasn't social media and brand deals and getting famous and glam and all of this stuff like we didn't know what we were signing up for xyz And I get for somebody like Jill that it feels like maybe this new world is like less pure, maybe (laughs) that like, you know, when she signed up to like do a TV show, it was like a fun thing and we'll see where this goes. Whereas like in 2023 or last year when these women were cast, like there's no way to be circling the idea of a housewives show without 
knowing and seeing everything that that comes along with. And like these women, they filmed their first season. Obviously, you know, they weren't, they're not like famous already, I guess, with the exception of Jenna in a way. Um, and Sai had a really big following prior Sai, to Sai has a following. Uba like, is like yeah, known in totally. certain circles, but you know, they're not like, it's not like on the streets where we weren't seeing like photos of them filming every time. Right, right, whatever. right, right. right. Um, <clears throat> but knowing, you know, they got all this press on billboards, on the top of taxis in New York, party at the Rainbow Room. I'm sure they're all going to be at BravoCon this fall. Like, there just is so much more inherently that comes with the territory of doing Housewives now. So I think I get why for somebody like Jill, sorry, it's tempting to say like, oh, well, like they should be focusing on like uh, a group of, you know, a, a group of moms that like don't know what they're getting themselves into, but like that's not the world we live in anymore. And when you look at the other newer franchises that we've had, you know, post- you know, like any franchise really since they started like Dallas and Potomac and Salt Lake City and Dubai and all of these kind of like post first wave Housewives shows, I guess you could say. Mm. Everybody is playing the part to a certain extent. If you think that those women are going on those shows and not having an idea of what they're getting themselves into, that would be stupid on their part. Why would they be there? They wouldn't People who don't want to be housewives wouldn't be housewives in 2023. It just wouldn't be a thing that you would say yes to. And so I think it's a little, uh, I feel like it's almost like performative anger when it's like, oh, well, why aren't they just finding like these like scrawny bunch of moms? It's like, because they all know they're signing up to be reality TV stars. Right. And that's not who casting is going after. Casting is going after a certain kind of archetype and they're not going after because they weren't when New York City was being cast. They were looking for, per Jill from the interview, um, uh, moms trying to get their kids into private school. It was Manhattan moms. Like that was that was the thesis. So, of Mm -hmm. course, the characters that who were cast felt like characters, number one, but also made so much sense and were telling a very specific story because they were cast on a specific story and then that you know story didn't really change but the branding behind it did mm-hmm. so it was a specific story about a group of moms and then and Bethany and then was changed to become a New York iteration of housewives and then became New York housewives it right. didn't start as New York housewives And this is, and it's just, and I totally, like, I understand and agree with Jill's critique. I genuinely do, because I've said that how many times on Andy's Girls in the lead up to this, from the second the announcement was made, I had concern because I was focused on the style of presentation and of story and of like personhood that I saw through the OG cast and what I consider, like I consider Dorinda part of the OG cast, mm-hmm. like just the original. Right. The first run through 12 plus um, extra season. We don't speak of like that elevator to floor in a hotel that doesn't exist. Like we don't go to 13. We go from 12 to 14 and nothing's in the middle, but it's like, I understand that mm-hmm. it's not to, to criticize her thoughts, which you obviously can do, but like, I, I understand them, but also, is it realistic? Is is that the kind of story that people would want to hear? Yeah. I don't know. I don't I think it would have been harder to reset because I think the argument would have been made 
then just continue with the original cast. If you want to tell the original story, continue with the original cast. And like Bravo said, we want a new story. So we need new people. And New York has changed in the last 15 years. Yeah, I think also, I mean, obviously, there was no way to not notice the timing of Bethany and Jill's um, reunion, dropping it a day after the... Roni premiere just like okay two sure. days after recorded the day after the <clears throat> right, premiere sure um but like I, it does feel like this is a little bit of a convenient way to insert yourself into the narrative a little bit and when you think about in the case of Jill specifically because Bethany I think is kind of a separate whole there's a lot going on you know experience um <laughs> But there's a, there's but, a lot going on. It's yeah, complicated. But, there's a lot with, going on. With Jill, I mean, Jill has not been a real cast member on Roni mm. in o- over 10 years at this point. Yeah. She, she, I mean, she made appearances in later seasons. It seemed like on uh, season 12, I think it was, that maybe she was going to have a bigger role again. Um, but she has not been a housewife since season four. We're on season 14. And so I think when it's her talking about how it feels like it's X, Y, Z, or like it's, you know, they should have done this and they should have done that. And, you know, it's not the same show it was. It's like you weren't on that show for the last nine seasons it was around. Mm. And I think, I mean, I like Jill and I, I mean, I think Jill is. Uh, we stand Jill's Aaron in this house. Right. This is, this is nothing like negative about Jill right. as, a, we love Jill. as a person or as a housewife. Right, but, right, right. I love but Jill. just that it's like in this specific context, it's kind of like the ship had sailed for you long ago. And so to have all of these opinions, it's like, I mean, I guess she'll always be somebody who was there and lived through the beginning of it. But it's like, this wasn't your show before they rebooted it. And it wasn't going to be your show after. But she made the show. It doesn't matter how long it's been since she was on. She was the reason that it became a thing. It's like she was one of the creators. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think the idea of like, oh, well, it shouldn't be season 14. It should be season one of something different. It's like... They weren't asking you about seasons five through 13. Right. So like, why would they ask you? I mean, and I mean, I don't No, You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I think uh, obviously I understand kind of where the feelings are coming from, because mm-hmm. I think it's something that you probably never really detach from. Especially... How could you? We won't allow you to. Right. And if you're, you know, like Peggy Salahian, that's maybe different. And you're like not, you know, examining what they're doing with the future of Orange County. But like with Jill, like obviously she cares. And... I thought it was actually interesting in the conversation with Bethany to hear her explicitly say that she pretty much knows her housewife's time has passed. That was devastating. And, you know, particularly with the legacy thing not working out for her. I mean, that is something that a year ago she would not have said that. She has said stuff like that before, though. Yeah, maybe she has. But it's more, it's honestly, it's been more specific to would I return, Mm -hmm. which she spent a lot, a a long period of time saying she wouldn't and then, and then shifted as many people do and said, you know, I would be open to returning and then, you know, um, some chaos in New York. But like, you know, there's something kind of the door is closing in some ways and it's tough to think about the future of Housewives. I don't know. It's like I literally saw Barbie today. So I'm just thinking of all of the housewives in a universe where it's like 
I don't know if instead of Ken, it's like everyone calls any of the guys Andy, or maybe it's just a hundred different Andys at different points in his career. But hi, like, Andy. <laughs> hi, Barney. Maybe. But it's like the idea of like Jill and all of these. There are so many different types of housewives, and it's like maybe instead of looking at this of one is better than the other. It's like, you know what? Every, all of these housewife Barbies can all exist in this universe. You can have an Orange County Barbie, a later season Orange County Barbie with a Nini Barbie, with a Teresa, Melissa Barbie, and separate Barbie houses, obviously. You can have a Joe Gorga Ken. They're not in the same cul-de-sac. Um, there might be a slide and one might be pushing the other one down it. But like, you can have all of these different we don't have to choose between one or the other noting that obviously a choice has been made because one of them is getting new episodes you know what maybe maybe the mother barbies of roni past stand still so the daughter barbies of roni future can see how far they've come wow 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 (laughs) and you and i are america (laughs) ferrara (laughs) and in that moment the metaphor was jumped the shark (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's there's something to be said for understanding because I think Jill's opinion definitely matters. I think she has a specific experience, a lived experience that how many people can say like a dozen or something on New York. And that counts. But also there's a reason that this shift is taking place and the reality behind resetting and having a restart to 15 years ago, the, the New York now versus then does the new york that they had then exist now yes on the upper east side time stands still but you know there are but many is that the the new york to showcase on a show like this right we've had that new york it, before yeah. and you know it's it's like how are you going to cameo on this in the future the way that beverly hills has those little callbacks and camille shows up yeah. for something and we're getting more kim next season God help us. But, you know, like there there are those cameos and callbacks that exist. I think maybe the one little piece that I feel right now, because I really am genuinely enjoying New York. The one little piece of me that's like jilling is the idea of like, oh, we're not going to necessarily have a pop up. But you know what? They're doing this universe brand new. We might in the future. We might in the future. And you know what? I think I think there's a chance. I don't think that door is fully closed because I think Bravo has shown in the last few years that the the boundaries are not as rigid as they Which once we seemed love. to be. I we mean, love looser boundaries. Look at Taylor Armstrong. For She's on a fucking different... She's in a goddamn different look at, country. She went from Beverly Hills to Orange County. She needed a passport. Look at Caroline Stanbury. Look at Phaedra is going to be on Married to Medicine. Oh my God, so much happening. There are... I think the the possibilities are, yeah. are vast. And I think especially with Roni, you know, Jill obviously se- as a separate piece. But with Roni, like, this show, this girls trip that they filmed in St. Bart's last month, that could be the first chapter of a a, a new offshoot. You know, like yeah. we don't know. Which Jill, ironically enough, is not in. But I know. yeah, we, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with that. I, you know, I'm not like. I'm concerned for some of the people that cast based on the way they're trying to play and push. It's a good story. Well, they're like, it's exactly like Scary Island. I'm like, oh no, Kelly. When I oh, uh, God. when I talk to um. Luan, Ooh, you have a little smile on your face. When right I now. talked to Luann and Sonia, oh. um, Sonia, I oh, asked no. him about it. Sonia goes, Sonia goes, well, you know, I, I had some fun with with Chris with Kristen. And Luann goes, You did? 
And I was like, that's all I need to know. Oh, God. It, it should be interesting. But listen, you know, speaking of New York and talking about the present of New York, yeah. there is a lot to discuss in the most recent episode. I am curious for your thoughts on the Jenna of it all, because she makes a point on the episode of connecting for us, which I think is important, the reality and sort of trauma of being outed by a New York City tabloid and connecting that to a need for privacy while going on reality TV and saying, listen, when I came out, it was my choice to confirm, but certainly I would not have chosen for a tabloid Mm -hmm. to, you know, make that initial call. And now I'm on this show and I'm seeing someone and y'all don't get to meet her because... I want that to keep that private for myself and for this person who might also choose to be private. What are what's your reaction to that? Um so my reaction to that is uh, first of all, I think Jenna is a fascinating person. I remember her from back in the J Crew days. I was, you know, very aware of who she was at that point and you know, seeing her in this context really I think was a big selling point for me and yeah. for a lot of people not not selling point necessarily but a big point of entry it was a coup it was a coup for bravo Holland that we have jenna lyons well, on i remember i was so i was at the watch what happens live taping at bravo con when they brought out the roni cast and announced them at the end it was like very chaotic but i was sitting in the like press seats in the front I was in the front. I was it, in the NBC exec seats. Right by, but like I was on the side of the stage where they had the women come out and were like standing there with their apples kind of awkwardly. So you were like house, you were like house right, I was house left. No, I was house left. Oh, then we were both house left. Okay. It, okay. It wasn't I the, know where you were. I know exactly where you were. I was behind you. Yeah. I was a couple rows behind you. Yeah. But so I remember they kind of walked out and I guess Andy was saying the names, but it was like very loud, very hard to hear. And It I, was a lot. There was a lot. And I literally, I'm looking at them and I'm like, that's Jenna Lyons. Like, I like uh, my eyes are telling me it's her. I she's an incredibly recognizable person if you know who she is. And I'm like, wait, wait, Jenna, Ly-. like, because there had been like a, a couple rumors. You know, they're really the cast hadn't leaked in full. I don't. It think, really had, except for Lizzie was like a big thing in the post. Right, but so I was like, Jenna, like Jet. Jenna Lyons is doing Roni, and seeing her do press and stuff for the show. It's fun. I think like it's it's cool to have somebody like that doing something like this. It feels very unexpected. And I think in the sense that they were really going for something different and fresh and, um, you know, unique with this cast. I think she's a really key piece of that. And over these we've only seen two episodes. And to be honest, I've been impressed with her over the course of the episodes, just like feeling like she is sharing and opening up and I thought her telling the story about her being outed in the second episode was a really um a really great moment and like a really honest moment and I think seeing the other women kind of take that in and process it and I think we're pretty respectful of that story that she was telling that was that was cool to see because I mean in the grand scheme of things we have not had very many openly queer housewives Mm -hmm. Particularly housewives who that's like a a major part of their identity. Like as as fun as it is to like have Taylor reveal that she dated a woman at some point in the past for five years, I think. right? But like over the course of time that we've known her on the right, show, right, right. that hasn't been the identity that we've been like shown. And so having people like Julia in Miami 
and Jenna on New York now, it's like really like we're getting like the queer experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool. So I actually, I didn't have a problem with her not being the most open about her relationship, especially this early in the show, because I think for somebody like her, having kind of been burned by being in the public eye, maybe in a way that she wasn't expecting in the past, now this feels like something that she's doing on her own terms. And I think with the other women, you know, I think Sai in particular made a comment about like, you know, I'm being open with you, like you be open with me, that kind of thing. And like, most of the women in the cast, or at least half of them have husbands and families and kids, I think it's only three of them. But like, to see Jessel's husband and Jessel's kids on camera, when they have this home together and this life that they've built is not the same as Jenna showing off somebody who She's been dating for we don't know how long. We don't know what the level of commitment is. We don't know the level of commitment. We don't know what this person, what this other person's situation is in their personal life, whether they're fully out or whether they want to be, you know, have a job that stops them from being in public, those types of things. And so, you know, if Jenna, as the season progresses and if there are future seasons that Jenna's on, obviously I hope we continue to sort of peel back the layers. But honestly, I feel like over the course of two episodes, I feel like I'm getting plenty from her. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells 
unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. 
That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about commitment because and privacy on housewives because it really does, it seems to be enacted on a sliding scale by yeah. the network and individual. And there are ways, you know, you think about Sutton Strack, who was reportedly demoted her first season because her husband decided to limit access to the kids being on camera and production decided that because she couldn't share right. her personal life. But it was after they had filmed a lot of stuff with the kids. And then oh, it was right, right, right. Revoked. So they had to yeah. cut it down. Um, and then you think about Sai, who, to my understanding, has been this very influential content creator and style, style, I don't know, other word after style. Um, I was going to say like style, I don't even know, like personality sort of. Yeah. Um, and hasn't shown, to my understanding, her husband really ever on her social that her perspective and content creation potentially might acknowledge him in some way. I really don't know, but really did not show him. And yet he's being shown on New York. It was yeah. a, however you look at it, either a decision or concession or whatever what was made, because I'm assuming production wanted to see her personal life, including her mm -hmm. partner. And Jenna is, and I mean this like quite literally, allowed to make a choice to keep things private. I wonder, noting that the Jenna of it all is very specific and individual and sensitive, but I wonder what conversation might exist around that by other members of the cast. Like I'm showing the nitty gritty. Jessel is having yeah. conversations that are that I don't think were handled that were handled no. in a way that I thought were surprisingly insensitive. And I don't mean that as like a cutting critique to the other women in the cast. I just thought, you know, as someone who doesn't have children, me, myself and I, I don't have kids. I'm not married. The idea of someone giving birth and not being sexually intimate with their partner for whatever amount of time, one year or two years is not shocking to me. Like, mm -hmm. I actually think that's more normal than not for people. I mean, the world, the idea of normal inside like childbirth right, but it's and certainly parenting. not inconceivable. It's not inconceivable. The way it was processed by members of the cast was like so shocking. And while it led to a moment of sort of recognition for Jessel, the idea of like, wait a second, the way that we processed as partners, you know, um, going through the IVF journey, five rounds. I cannot imagine yeah. how intense that had to have been. But going through that process and the way that we even communicated sex to each other as like not a business endeavor, but as like the thing that has to happen on a schedule. Yeah. Because it's it can be very complicated for my understanding to go through that process and very emotional and very difficult. And then it's like you have you get to the point of, um, thankfully for them, uh, after, you know, five rounds, get to the point where she is pregnant and then, you know, gives birth. And it's like, how must he feel now that I am not scheduling sex mm -hmm. in the way that I might have before? Might he feel like he was a vessel and not a person? Like, that's an interesting conversation. But getting from, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of came almost by accident or maybe was connected. But like, in the grand scheme of things, Jessel is sharing a lot and dealing with critical responses from her cast members. And 
is participating in that way. There's a risk involved when yeah. you sign up for Housewives that you're going to be sharing really uh, intimate details of your life and you might not get responses that you think you would receive as a result. How does that right. weigh itself? I think, yeah. I, I, well, and the idea that something that you... I don't know if that made any sense, by the way. No, I, I mean, I think that whole a- aspect of last night's or this week's episode was super interesting. And I agree that I think it was not handled in the most thoughtful of ways. Which I also, can I just interject for one second and say, I'm not like being, I really, I will tell you when I'm being super critical of something. Yeah. I didn't feel like, oh my God, overwhelming upset. I was just like, oh, I was surprised that they were responded in that way. Just wanted to share that. I No, but I agree. And I think that it wasn't, I don't think anybody was being malicious. I don't think anybody was trying to to bully Jessel or to make her feel bad. But the... The reactions really weren't tempered at all to, oh, she said this thing and maybe she said it like it's no big deal or she said it like in X way, but maybe it really is a sensitive subject because of X, Y, Z. You know, saying like, you know, go home and fuck your husband is not necessarily the most thoughtful way to just kind of wrap your mind around the situation. And, you know, with the whole you know, pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, you know, IVF, all of that stuff wrapped up. That's a a journey of years that she's been on of stuff that is very just closely connected to her body and how she is feeling and how she, you know, her health and, you know, the kind of gargantuan task, it sounds like it was, of making these kids happen that she, you know, like, it just is so big. And I think you know, when you're talking about sex, sometimes there's this, um, there's this like vibe that it's like, ah, oh, like we're like girlfriends talking about sex and it's like, oh my God, girl, like go fuck your husband. Right. And I think that is, that is fine in certain contexts, but that it, watching it unfold that way, it did feel a little bit like, oh, I, I don't, I think this was more of like a, a, a little more of a touchier subject. And I think in conversation that I have with friends, including women, including people who aren't women, like, we'll say to each other, like, how you doing? Like, what's the fucking? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it'll be, there's a shorthand that's used where you can, you know, be a dumb fuck with your friends and they understand because they know yeah. you. And the difference here is there's an expectation of like awareness, even relating to emotional intimacy. But the thing that's missing here is the history between these mm-hmm. women. So they're cutting to the end of like, like, girl, we know you go fuck your house. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Versus which I could imagine having in conversation with friends about whatever, where I know I trust, we respect each other. We respect histories and they're maybe trying to make me feel better or whatever else. And it's like, there's warmth in history, mm-hmm. which is why them telling me to like, fuck whomever. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's going to answer everything. It's, <laughs> like, no, it's, it's, it's super, just the history that's missing. It is really, it's fascinating to watch a group of people who have limited history with each other kind of perform that perform that and also test the waters yes of what's allowed what's gonna is this thing gonna be received as fun shade or as rudeness or is this is this thing gonna be something to joke about or uh you know whatever or like the lingerie like is is everybody gonna have fun with this or is somebody's feelings gonna get hurt and I certainly don't think Jenna was 
you know, intending to do anything shady with the selection of lingerie. No, but, I think she was intending to be as inclusive as possible. Right. And I mean, obviously it, I think the lingerie thing but we all probably have sensitivities t- and triggers and it probably ties right into everything that had already been talked about with right. Jessel and her and, body and her, body and and her intimacy and all of that sexy. stuff. And yeah. And so I think Being seen as sexy, it probably kind of, it. yeah, it probably kind of compounded a little bit over the course of that day. Also, I don't think, you can discount either that these women are all doing this reality show thing for the first time. Right. And they're on a group trip for the first time. And many of these, many women, something that I think is actually, it comes up over and over again on housewives shows. And when women join the cast of people saying that like, Oh, like I've never been on a girl's trip or I don't usually like, I never go anywhere without my husband or Kathy Hilton accord. Yeah. I mean, so many, so many people are, you know, if your life is set up that way or whatever, mm-hmm. that it's like, this is a really unusual situation for a lot of people that join these shows to be on a group trip with six adult women who you don't know super, super well, and you're expected to be vulnerable and open and also funny and also a little bit raunchy and also, you know, very charismatic and you're on camera and there's other people around filming. Like, this is a, a big experience I would imagine for all of them and so it makes sense that the emotions could also be a little heightened in that sense too and it's like a big experience that you're supposed to perform is small we're going away for the weekend so it's like right we're going away for the weekend but then am I gonna like say more than I feel or this is how I'm I'm really feeling about like the setup and and toilet paper right. and whatever imagine else your- like what are the choices that I make specific to the performance of reality TV versus needing this to feel real so that this show, specifically the reboot, works. It's, imagine, a, it's di- very difficult. Imagine being Aaron sitting at your house in the Hamptons. Beautiful v- house, by the way. Beautiful house. That's the house Ramona thought she decorated that she absolutely did but not. Like, I was gasping at those rooms. I, oh, my God. Perfect taste. But like, perfect taste. Imagine being Aaron that day before all the women got there, like sitting at your house, just thinking in your head, like, what the fuck am I getting myself into? I'm going to get a single bag of potato chips and some fucking cow. I can't. No, a tube of Pringles, not the bag. Uh, a tube of Pringles. <laughs> I cannot for the life of me. Now, I am someone who will. This is. I'm a mess. I am someone. I only now in the last year have a adult decorated apartment. OK, I've lived here for over a decade. Doing God amazing. bless Studio Piccolo. Yeah, we're in the cloth right now living my literal best life. But I am that person who, I guess I was raised in a jungle. I don't really know how to assemble things mm-hmm. when people come over. So you've been over to my apartment many, many times. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, Spindrift, what do you want? And I have truly nothing else for you. I would be more concerned about how to position it so it looks pretty. So like yeah. I have an idea of like human people eat crackers and hummus and trigger warning cheese. So like but never I get dill. it, but I but never dill, which I am obsessed with dill. And now I'm going to think about dill. All, I'm going to deal with more dill with salt. But like, I don't I cannot necessarily prepare something that like looks Instagram ready, which makes me sort of nervous. That being said, <laughs> if I have a group of people who are coming over yeah. and I have the money that I have being Aaron, I would have some sort of. Spread. Spread. Uh, uh, some options available. Like, the fact that she didn't have blinis, I thought was surprising. But it was, like, her expression of, like, because I don't snack, no one else should ever think of snacking. Because it's, like, I have, they arrive at four, 
and we have a dinner at six or seven. Meanwhile, bitch, they've like been in a car for three hours. You know how fucking long it takes to get from New York City to South, to wherever the fuck she is, Sag Harbor? Like, well, at least there's no have traffic. Have a pepper. Have a pepper. Yeah. Have apples. Maybe not. Don't have apples. Have grapes. See, this is I'm not good at this. Grapes. Put it on the fucking thing. A little bit of shark- Hire someone charcuterie. from provisions to get some sandwiches there while you're open. Well- <laughs> charcuterie i mean there, I'm, I'm, right. i don't eat meat but i can watch you eat it no there is i do yeah I, a potato chip with some caviar is fun it's great it's so it's a delight you're having five people over to your house and we're pretending that it's weird that they're hungry like that's nuts to Exa- me no it's but- weird to request maybe i don't know certain toilet paper or something but actually side didn't request what she brought her own but like to not think that other people might be hungry because your tum isn't hungry, but other people's tums aren't allowed to be hungry. Like, right. The idea that people would show up. I loved up, it, by the way. I love because it was such a weird. The idea that people would show up at your house at 4 p.m. And not be hungry. And be like, what's the food situation? And you're like, didn't you eat lunch? It's 4 p.m. Like, that is prime afternoon snack time. And I think, yeah, it, it does. And you can have a full meal, by the way, with caviar, but you have to have a potato. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, then right. it can be the top, Kathy Hilton, baked potato the with way, all the sour cream no, and whatever way, else. So the way that what those, salt is. Like, but you have to have it. You have the to have way it that those Pringles were set up with the caviar, nobody was going to eat more than four or five of those. And that is not an amount of food that is like tangible Mm-mm. in your stomach. And so. It's like an olive tapenade. <laughs> At a certain point, you can't have any more. You got to move on to a different flavor. I think it is. It's funny to watch somebody like Erin. I'm who, obsessed with her. I love her so much. Erin is. She's so, such a good cast. She's so studied Casting. in Housewives. She is a Housewives fan. She has. Do you think that's. I don't see that energy. I, I know that to be true because I've talked sh- to her about I'm it. I'm sure it's true, but I don't. She's doing an excellent job of not making me think about that on but TV. I think, I think she feels very organic to this. She feels organic, of. but in a way that is like she knows what she's doing, except why don't you have fucking food at the house? Like, I, <laughs> like, I think she is somebody who has been preparing for this in the way, in the sense of like not oh, I, I'm going to be so iconic on the show. I'm blah, 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 blah. But like she loves Housewives and has this has probably been a goal of hers even before Roni got the reboot. That it's like, oh yeah, like in a few years time, that'll be something that I'm kind of going for. You could easily see her coming into like a Kristen Takeman, Carol kind of spot where it's like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to be the like, you know, businesswoman who's... Or a million dollar listing. Maybe it wasn't specific to Housewives. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I think it does... It's interesting to see, like, somebody like her who has this knowledge of Housewives navigate actually doing it. Because it's some. It's like sometimes on, on Survivor or any kind of competition show, there'll be people who come in that are like super fans of the show and they're like, I have studied this. I'm ready to go. I'm going to make every right move. You know, I'm going to do everything perfectly. I have my strategy already laid out and it doesn't always work. It can backfire. And I, we're too early into the season to kind of know how things are going to play out interpersonally. But it is just funny to watch people you know, you can prepare as much as you want, but when you get to the test, you don't have 
your notes. Well, and also the nuance of it all, because it's navigating housewives, it's navigating filming reality TV, but it's also navigating just relationships with people. Yeah. So how much chicken and the egg, like at what point caviar and the Pringle, like at what point is her not setting up food because she would never think of this because that's how she is in her personal life versus other things she may or may not be doing for housewives to prep the way she's behaving on camera. It's like you can say that about seemingly every single housewife on TV at any point in time. How much of your behavior is being performed or heightened because Mm -hmm. there's a camera crew surrounding you and how much of your behavior is because of how you think the audience will see you although i don't that's a whole other can of worms but like and how much of your behavior is because this is how you would actually behave can i wait can i pivot a little bit absolutely every time it's something that orange county was just spurred no atlanta oh please this are you about to you drew a picture is what we're about to say i was trying to think of a way to insert drew's it's about no it's about candy so Uh on this no (laughs) Why am I nervous? I get nervous when people bring out candy right now. I feel very protective of her. Yeah, I like candy. Okay. But I thought on this week's episode and the trip to Portugal, the... the, Off season. The conversations... Traveling during the rainy season. Oh, my God. The conversations that they are having with and about candy being basically too busy to be their friends... She's worldwide. ...is... I think fascinating because as I was watching the episode, I'll admit I have not always been paying the most attention to Atlanta this season. It has ebbed and flowed for me. And the last few weeks, I have not been like particularly in the saddle with it, but I was catching up for this and seeing that type of conversation on housewives will always be curious to me because I feel like it is inherently wrapped up in the idea of you're too busy for to be good friends to us, but also you're too busy to really be committed to the cooperation and teamwork that's required to make a season of Housewives. And the idea that, you know, Candy is leaving the Portugal trip early. She's missed some other filming events and things like that. And of course, you know, Candy is busy. Candy has this, that, and the other thing going on. And we've all, that's been a thing for a while, but I think it's interesting to kind of consider her position on housewives in relationship in relation to the idea that she's quote too busy to be friends with these women. And what's your response to that? I don't really know. I mean, I I think Candy has been a cornerstone of that group for such a long time. She is the longest serving housewife on any franchise ever, you know, I think it's her kind of presence has been just kind of a given for such a long time that it's, it's hard to imagine her not being asked back or her taking a step away from housewives. But I feel like, you know, in the sense that we've talked about, you know, the double standards of how much are you going to reveal on camera and how much are you going to talk about? Like with, with Candy, I think there are certain housewives where if they had all these conflicts coming up and were, you know, maybe not going to be around for the whole trip or something, that would really be a demerit against that person. And I don't, I don't know if that really is the same for Candy, but it it's, it's interesting to think about when, you know, if, if these other women really feel like they're putting in work both to the uh you know the theoretical friendship but more to the to the product of the show that could create resentment too like if if 
you know, Marlo and Kenya and Sheree feel like they're doing a hundred and Candy's only doing 70, like that can create problems. Yeah. And I think the difficulty is like, what if the 70 is better than the hundred? Like, what do you do then? Because you want someone available to film, but also like what you're getting during filming, I think with Candy is like consistent, but also this season is really flat and there has been a conversation around like, what do you do with Atlanta next Mm -hmm. season? And I really, truly (laughs) am at a loss and I don't really want any major casting changes to happen. Maybe I'm extra protective seeing what happened with New York, noting I'm enjoying the, you know, reboot, but I just, I'm not, I don't, the way the sausage gets made, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know that it's like kosher. You know what I'm saying? Like Flat is a good word for it. And it's, I agree that I don't feel like my issue with the season is with any particular person or people in the cast that it feels like the pieces just aren't coming together or the, you know, the, you know, you followed the recipe, but something goes wrong in the oven. I don't know. Like it just, it's, it's tough. And I I want to be really into it. And I think for the first few episodes of the season, I was like, okay, yeah, like it's feeling good. It's feeling spicy. And then it kind of just, they took a week off for 4th of July. And I feel like since then it just is kind of like, nobody's talking about it. It just feels sort of, quiet but nobody was talking about it before they took a week off i guess not i don't know the whole um <clears throat> when there was all the, the like the whole back and forth about the like the shooting and like the can't like marlo's nephew like that all felt like very like i kind of couldn't stop thinking about it almost like it was wow. not like n- n- that's a it sounds a little much but i i just think it was like i felt like i was trying to wrap my mind around what they were what was really at the root of it. Yeah. And now the stuff that's happening that they're having drama about, it's like, okay, so like Drew is mad because Candy thinks that she's like faking unserious or whatever. Yeah. And then Faking-ing like emotion. Sheree, you know, the did they really get the she by Sheree stuff at the reunion? Uh, like I it just feels like the the conflicts are not really worth getting invested in, maybe. Yeah, and I think if the cast isn't invested, how can the audience be? How can mm-hmm. you expect the audience to be as connected to a cast that really, truly is not connected in and of itself? Right, and I think um, we saw, I think this was in last week's episode, when Courtney comes to Kenya and is oh, basically like, well, you know, I just thought that I should voice this because, you know, you said, and Kenya's response is like, quite frankly, I don't know you. Yeah. And like, I mean, she's not wrong, but also it's like, what are, <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that? Like, that's not, you know, if you're, if you're kind of like, okay, little girl, I don't know what you want me to say to you. It's like, oh, well, maybe not that. The Courtney of it all. There are, you know, friends <sighs> of historically have been such, I mean, superstars on Atlanta, mm-hmm. really, truly crucial and interesting and funny and like connected. And there have been stakes between friends of and full timers because the people are actually friends with each other. God right. forbid. Like, and Courtney is just so not right for my energy yeah, specifically like interloper vibes it's just like i don't know why she's here i feel like 
she's I don't know I, I if I want someone to be annoying I would prefer that it's the full timer you know what I'm saying because it's like at least there's an investment there of Drew emotion. can be annoying all by herself it's what she does best is to be fucking annoying and but with Courtney I'm like Courtney I'm already getting that from Drew like what are you giving me you can't just be giving me a person in the room named Courtney because that's not enough there like, was there was one moment this oh, she this should cameo she shouldn't be a friend of when Drew made some comment in the confessional that she was like, you know, like my life, it's not all like glitz and glamour in front of the cameras and stuff. And I'm like, babe, I don't know what you think you're giving that would make us think that your life is all glitz and glamour in front of the cameras. But we know. Also, the <laughs> we thousand, know it's not the thousand dollar lawsuit. I was like, Drew, what are you doing? But then when she referenced the blogs, then I was like, OK, here we are. Right, it's, it's not like, about the law. It's not about the. It's not about the thousand dollars. It's about this person who is seeking revenge, seemingly, and trying to do it in as many ways as possible. And that kind of energy is toxic. And that can really that can be very frustrating and upsetting. Like someone who's out for vengeance Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. It's like, well, that's, it's hard because that's one person's decision to make, but obviously it's having an impact on Drew. And that is, you know, it's, I I understood it more because before I was like, God, help us a thousand dollars. It was, it was. Kenya's like, just pay it. I don't care. Just pay it. It was absolutely hilarious to watch Kenya be like, what's what's a thousand divided by eight? Let's all just, let's clear it. And Drew's like, it's not about the thousand. Kenya was like, no, but you, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Do broke bitches split lawsuits? Oh, God. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, it's not, obviously, like, I feel like the last however many minutes we've been talking about it, it's not that there's nothing to talk about. It's just that comparing it to the like stupid grin that's on my face watching OC every week, oh it God. just isn't it's, it's not high. it's not igniting any passion within me. Okay. So listen, I feel a sense of resignation about Atlanta because while I liked last week's episode, maybe the most of this season, maybe but I'm having severe short-term memory about Atlanta because, like, nothing is staying attached to me. The most recent episodes, okay, I I watched it so I can, like, check that. Well, it's like like, they didn't even do half the activities because it was raining and then Kenya had to go to the ER because she bruised her coccyx. Which I have to say, can I just jump in here? Spent seven hours in the ER. Can I just say that I didn't explain, because I was like out to lunch on the last episode, I did not explain that my tagline referencing having a back pain was because I was literally immobile on my couch this weekend for several days and had to recover the next day because I literally pulled out my back. So when Kenya had that moment where she was like, yow. I was like, oh, sweetie, I feel that. So and now I have to tough. go to sports medicine. Now so I have to go tough. to an additional doctor and I don't play but then, sports. But then also it's like the wor- that's the worst kind of thing because it, it hurts so bad. But then you, you go to do. the doctor. She sat there for seven hours and they're like, right. what, gave her like pain meds? Like they're right. not, they can't like stitch your coccyx back up. Like <sighs> her reference in coccyx, coccyx, I was like, and like candy was coccyx, only whatever. candy was in in Portugal for maybe 48 hours and she didn't get to do a damn thing two seconds after being like i I, you know i don't understand self-care i really need to take my some time for myself and it's like after triage candy after after you check in kenya candy spent the whole first day like blowing out the bathroom and then (laughs) the whole second day waiting in the er with kenya 
Honestly, the most drama on Atlanta is unfortunately whatever, God forbid, happened on that plane. And I don't want to hear about it ever. When they were like, when they were like, Candy has a stomach bug and then she still got on the flight. I was like, okay, so she's not, she can't come, right? Like she can't get on the plane. And then they show her like arriving in Portugal. And I'm like, she looks like she has been. Because she knew she was out of like opportunities to say I can't come because she was already leaving so many ar- commitments and she was already leaving the trip early so if she didn't come then right. she was literally going to oh, no, be there she for wouldn't have, one she day. wouldn't have come later I think yeah. had she not been on the plane with them she wouldn't have come because it's only a couple days let's can we shift gears and talk a little bit about yes, Orange please. County because a light in this world I, I have to tell you we're on episode 7 allegedly there's like 15-ish episodes I don't know the number and I don't I listened to Shan say that on Jeff Lewis Live and I don't know if that includes reunions I hope it does not <laughs> I don't think so. I feel like usually when they say the yeah, episode count, it's pre-reunion. It's got to be three. And it's got to be a three-parter. It um, I cannot express how much I'm enjoying Orange County, except to say that, like, I've watched the most recent episode two and a half times. And had I not been running late this afternoon because of a Barbie, I would have gotten through a full third time. Like, I, I am so content and energized and happy with Orange County in a way that feels honestly miraculous. It's everything is right right now. Everything is firing on all cylinders. Gina <laughs> makes sense. Like it just it's right. Not to say that you need to but just like in the in the cast. Everybody's there for a reason. They're all doing their jobs. Now people are finally eating Nobu and I'm you know, I'm truly out to lunch. I, you know I can't love what it more. I saw. So somebody I like posted something about the Nobu. Oh, you know, um, Yolanda Fister, one of my favorite Bravo um, like social media users. I don't t- know if I know them. I know them mostly on Twitter. Mostly on Twitter. That's why I don't. Um, yeah. He tweeted. Heather Dubrow runs her local Nobu like the Navy. <laughs> and it just made me <laughs> laugh so hard. But then. So so I posted that on I posted that on Bravo by Batches and somebody replied in the DMs like they were like I'm from Orange County and what's funny is that you know how they took the boat to Nobu Oh, they, there was like that scene where they were like getting on the boat uh-huh. around that little table. That's and then not a like, real thing. So they were like the place where the bo- like the Docks. boat place is like right next to Nobu. Oh, <laughs> so it's like fully, fully like this constructed thing of like they let's meet on the boat and then go oh, to I Nobu love I love that like, so that much. is absolute perfection that's dedication to craft and we want that like this is I mean the SAG strike is happening the writer's guild strike is happening Dylan's choking on soda right now because we want to see cinema like this on script you know oh, like God. we support the writers and the actors here at Andy's Girls and also whatever the fuck Bethany Frankel is doing right now on her social we stand. But I'm gonna I, put I, an asterisk on that one. I haven't uh, looked at her terms closely. I enough. have not looked at her terms closely, and also there was somebody who was posting on social media. <laughs> Sorry for snorting. <laughs> there was somebody who was like a part of some fucking reality show that Bethany pitched that didn't happen about something something. I oh, and I'm the sure words. their terms were really uh and her terms union strong were like literally like <laughs> we need to be allowed to plant. <laughs> video cameras and have private access and be able to secretly record but you can't know and also we're gonna give you a dollar and it was just like she it's it's you know yeah let's let's talk to everybody who competed on the big shot and see if they felt like they were uh bethany went out of her way to criticize (laughs) the winner of the big (laughs) shot 
talked about this on Mention It All. You guys need to listen to that Mention It All episode that I was on recently because the Meloxi equation, the what's it called? The Bethany, um, the Bethany clause. There needs to be a Meloxi clause called. Even though Bethany is honestly on the right side with a lot of this when it comes to unionizing reality TV, yeah. I agree with her more than I disagree. It's so funny to me, I mean, as an outsider, that she truly dragged this person for winning her reality TV show and then looking at the terms of the contract or actually, for actually working for Bethany and being like, um, ma'am, may I please just have a morsel of like 10% more because you're paying me a dollar for God knows what for 9,000 hours a week. And Bethany took to a press tour, essentially, to drag this woman. The way she dragged Jace, it was literally Maloxy Hoppy. The way she dragged this woman for god forbid winning her reality tv show and being like she asked for too much you know how people are like once they're in the public eye and celebrity they want too much it's like bethany, sweetie yeah bethany is like the archetypal person who would get like the thing he, she would like open the door ask for the thing she wants get it and then like slam the door shut <laughs> like, oh to and i mean that is the ultimate irony here right. especially when it comes to some, like some of these conversations with like hashtag women supporting other women that it's like well we're supporting you by celebrating the attention that you're making of this issue. But in your real time, are there examples of you going out of your way to not only not support other women, but to drag them to fucking hell for trying to get in the door and feel like they are being compensated in a way that is fair? Like, yeah. I, I am a Bethany. I am. I always say it wrong. I'm a recovering. I always say like a Bethany Stan recovery. I'm a recovering Bethany Stan. Yeah. She still fucks with me because there are still moments where I'm like, oh god I fucking love this like oh it's so it's feeding my soul like when she says shit where I'm like oh god I love this Bethany but it's like Sarah like snap out I of would, it like yeah I would say that like I don't know anything but I would suggest that perhaps she tread lightly in her um labor rights organizer era because I can just envision now the like business insider piece that's like we talked to 24 people who worked at Skinny Girl HQ and it was hell on earth. Some other people mentioned it all. I mean, Norma Ray Frankel, God bless her with her signage. And she does also make a good point of constantly referencing her wealth and success because she's like, I'm not in a position where I'm looking to collab with Bravo right now. I'm not in a position where I need the, where I need the money, which is a rarity. That's the whole point for fucking talking about even unionizing. And mm -hmm. P.S. Hopefully Bethany will support other unions outside of her own. Like that would be an interesting journey to see. Right. Um, and timing is everything. <laughs> like in the ways that, you know, one thing can inspire the other you can't really argue that the Bethany and Jill thing wasn't even a little bit inspired by the timing of the New York premiere. Mm -hmm. You can't really argue that this isn't inspired a little bit by the attention being made to other unions absolutely uh, fighting for um, their rights and to be compensated uh, fairly and to um, not have, you know, their like literal bodies used uh until eternity for like a dollar 50 and call it a day like that doesn't mean that good can't happen from the bethany campaign but it is also interesting because like for those of us who suffered through the b-shot like 
and the Maloxie. I mean, like, Maloxie, like, blink twice if you're listening to this and you want to talk because... Slide in. It doesn't mean that... It doesn't mean that Bethany can't be many things at once. No. That is the Bethany conundrum, but also, like, the Bethany uh, business. It's She's many things at once, and one of those things, like, with many people, especially those in power, is, like, highly hypocritical. Doesn't yeah. mean she can't have bring great progress. She, she should be driving this. I'm glad to see it. She really... Look at what she did with like hashtag this is a crisis like she can do a lot of good work when she puts her mind to something. It's like I would just love to see you put your mind a little bit like to the call is coming from inside the house a little here. Yeah. And I think with the with the union talk, I think it'll we'll see in terms of when this becomes a less fruitful way to go viral than doing drugstore makeup hauls again in a month or two like do we ever talk about the union again? Like, we'll see. Um, that being said, though, AI could not write this season of OC. <laughs> Can I just wait? I'm sorry. Before we shift to OC, yeah. we need to talk about it for a second. I need you as a prolific content creator. I love, you know, I love your coming on your podcast. I love everything Bravo by Betches. You're always so smart and spot on. Um, I probably never say that to you. So here's my opportunity as I like don't look at you in the eye as the I'm saying it. No, I just want to know, because, like, I know she's, like, whatever, filed for whatever to, like, own copyright. And, you know, now on her podcast, there's, like, a few different things, including, like, be uninfluenced. So, like, that's coming for episodes. Okay, yeah. But, like, why is the Walgreens lipstick happening and the graphic design on her YouTube videos, which includes the titles of, like, um, the I feed cookies to strangers. I did, in fact, watch that video. Oh, and I yelled at my housekeeper yelled today. Yelled at my housekeeper. That was the... Why is she in her attic clothes, so... trying on makeup that she got for a dollar and yelling at us about La Mer? Like, I, I don't understand how this is. I know she's a magical, mystical being, and this will all make sense in about a year. But, like, right now I'm deeply concerned. Well, I think with the the TikTok of it all, I'm going to – I'm pulling up her TikTok right now because I want to see how many followers she has. But, like, truly she is doing TikTok content. Like, she's she's making – That I see on Instagram because I'm an elder. I'm right. spiritually mid-20s plus. Right. But so she's – she, so she has 1.4 million TikTok followers. That's which a lot, is a right? Lot, okay. A lot, like especially for less somebody, than a random person in Idaho who yeah, has but like, like 90 bajillion. Especially for somebody, and God bless them, by the way, for somebody whose following is older and was not built on TikTok right. and is not you know at her peak relevance in terms of yeah, the other stuff she she's has being going successful on. Successful with street, she yeah, has crossing. She has worked the platform. She's been working TikTok, the phones. Yeah. And so I think when you ask, like, why is the Walgreens makeup happening? Why is she doing X, Y, Z? She's honestly doing a good job at existing on those platforms in the way that you are supposed to to gain a following there. Yeah. But because we have this connection with mm -hmm. the Bethany of Housewives and the Bethany of Skinny Girl and the Bethany of, you know, being a mogul and all of this stuff, it's like, Wait, why are the Walgreens makeup hauls happening? And I think that's the question that I, the bigger question, aside, aside from like, she wants to have followers on TikTok and she did the thing to do that and it worked. Like, I don't know what her end goal is there. Like, I don't know if she thinks it's going to parlay into some other thing. Like, other than 
making the content and growing the audience. I don't know like what the point is to her. Yeah. Now she's doing um Hampton's content. She went to the farm stand and she's telling you this I spent a hundred dollars on. It's not worth it. This I spent blah blah blah. Like I mean she's doing TikTok content pretty well. It's worked for her, but I don't know kind of what the what the end game is there for her. Because there were some people I guess forever ago who were talking about um what her end game could be and she sent them cease and desist other creators oh, on tiktok yeah i, I mean, think it's about filing for trademark stuff that they were able to look up which i think is publicly available but i really couldn't know less i remember when that happened i didn't really like pay that much ago. attention to it but yeah i mean i think with her it's like i'm sure she has some big idea or some you know thought in her mind but i don't know you know she's prolific on tiktok like i there she posts a lot of videos she's clearly spending time and I, I don't do the youtube but like i it seems like that's something she's also spending time I'm, on i'm a youtube person more than i'm a tiktoker she and i'm clearly, not a youtube person she clearly is paying people to edit and yeah professional it's really it's the, glossy the, YouTube, it's the podcast all of this stuff like she's yeah. she's investing in this she is it's smart content creation career side hustle whatever it is for her but i don't know like is it bethany's dream now to be like the biggest podcaster or the biggest youtuber like that would seem kind of like a random goal for her but mm. also like clearly she doesn't really want to do reality tv clearly she doesn't her you know she wasn't that interested in doing her deal with mark burnett like she, she kind of has created this space of like okay like what is the what is the thing that you're mm -hmm. doing i don't know all right, well, TBD on that. Shifting to Orange County, the light, the the glory, the joy. I mean, there's a lot to unpack, but we need to talk about Tamara and Jen because if you are Jen, how do you navigate this? And also, I mean, the Ryan of it all is so tough because she's navigating Tamara and she's trying to navigate the presentation of Ryan. Yeah. Well, in terms of navigation, I would start by taking the napkin off of my face, face. so I have a clear helpful helpful vision. I don't think I would be looking for friendship with someone who treats me like such a piece of shit, but I'm also not in the cast. Well, I think I I think I talked about this last week on my podcast, but it's really interesting to watch um somebody new on the show come into this dynamic with Tamara having a relationship with her prior off camera and I think because Tamara was on Housewives for so long mm. most of the relationships that we think of as like Tamara's friendships Tamara's you know relationships are well documented on camera you know her whole trajectory with Shannon her whole trajectory with Vicky you know all of the conflicts she's had the whole Gretchen stuff like it's very like of the show mm -hmm. and so her her stuff with Jen I think is so intriguing because it feels like we're really digging into this world that happened completely outside of the TV sphere and this, you know, den of sin that was cut fitness apparently. Um, <laughs> we're hanging out there during the pandemic. Just it's like a swingers club. Uh, but oh, no, but no. I think, I mean, all, all, all jokes aside, it's <laughs> all jokes aside, all jokes aside. It's it's fun to watch Tamra 
deal with someone who she knew in a different capacity mm-hmm. now be on the show with her, whether mm-hmm. as a as a friend, as a potential combatant, as a you know, whatever, as a springboard. But then also to watch Jen in real time both learn how to do housewives in general, but also see how her relationship with Tamara is being changed by the performance of housewives that Tamara is so good at. That it's like, I think we saw in last week's episode kind of a shift in how Jen seems to be handling it, where before she was like, Tamara, like, if you have issues, talk to me about it first. Like, you know, I... I want to feel like we can be like whatever and you know in Montana it's like oh like you know like why'd you say all that stuff like it didn't make me feel good you know kind of like almost a little bit like taken aback that this is being manipulated or handled in a way that doesn't feel um that doesn't feel like considerate to her and then at the Nobu afternoon kind of seeing her for the first time sort of like give it back to Tamara a little bit. This insinuation that maybe, you know, you said that Ryan said that he wanted to fuck you, but maybe uh maybe you were the one, you know, like kind of that mm-hmm. that little like wink wink that she does where she doesn't say it all, but she says enough and now we're asking the question and now everybody at the table's asking the question and clearly Tamara is really, you know, activated by it. It's it's kind of electric to watch them in real time sort of do this dance together. And in real time, real time, Tamara's doing the Mariah J-Lo, I don't know her, saying that like we weren't ever really close. And yeah. Jen is on social trying to be like, no, we did. She did know me. Like, I do know her. Which is an interesting juxtaposition to what Tamara is doing on the show Mm -hmm. as episodes play out, saying essentially you weren't a good enough friend because you did not reveal sensitive information to me about your marriage. Like the way that Tamara and correct me if I'm wrong, genuinely, because having watched it two and a half times, I I'm not I'm not joking. I could be getting this wrong, but it feels like when Tamara is saying, like, I'm really upset at you to Jen and when she's like yelling at her prior up a part of the yelling is saying you didn't tell me when things were bad Mm. in your marriage and also obviously um some upset in the reveal that maybe Tamara had made you know overtures and not not an overture (laughs) but like a dumb fucking joke but like Jen's point is I didn't think you were actually gonna go upstairs and fuck him the point is that you were making a joke and that was what Ryan was doing yeah I'm not saying I agree with the Ryan part, but like the the it's it, it's a little apples. It, it is a little orange to orange. You know what I'm saying? Like it is. I thought it was a, you know, shot yeah. was fired. I thought Jen like did that pretty fucking well with the drawing of it out and like, oh, I don't know. I can't tell you. OK, let me tell you. And then like using that, I was like, go fucking Jen. Like, yes, this is what I want to see. Totally. I'm I'm enjoying Jen a lot on the show. And I think especially in contrast to some of the OC casting attempts that we've had in the last, you know, handful of seasons. We deserve Jen and we are grateful to have her. It feels like Jen is kind of giving it. Like she's... She is. She's great casting. She... And I think one thing that we've struggled with, with OC, with some of the more recent new housewives, is they've, they've had interesting things happening in their personal lives, but either we're not getting enough 
to really sink our hooks in, like um, with Noella's like weird divorce from the billboard attorney guy and with, um, you know, Liz Vargas had this like thing that she couldn't talk about, like she was married to a billionaire or something, but like that was never really on the show or like last um, Dr. Jen last season, like her weird rhyming, like all Ugh. of these situations that where was like, on the show. And we wish it wasn't like I can see how a casting department would interview those women and meet with them and be like, oh, it sounds like you have yeah. you know some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's something we could explore on the show. But with Jen Pedronti, it feels <laughs> like it kind of has culminated in a way where we're it's actually playing out as one of the major storylines of the season between Tamara and Jen in a way that is obviously I want to know the answers about Jen's personal life, but I'm also very interested in the way that it's playing out in her relationship with Tamara, which I think having both sides of that coin is really what's making it a good storyline and something that's been missing. Yeah. Yeah. I, and when it comes and seeing, and seeing the rest of the cast kind of wrap their minds around like what's happening here who's the one telling the truth like obviously most of these women have some amount of history with Tamara and not always positive you know Gina's like chomping at the bit to make everybody want to make Tamara look bad whereas you know Shannon has this friendship that she's put back together and Heather seems a little on the fence and like watching them all kind of have their opinions shaped episode to episode it's fun it's a fun storyline to follow because it feels like everybody can kind of get in on the action a little bit and what we're missing on other shows is like the active challenging when you see someone do something and you don't feel like it's organic or truthful actively Mm -hmm. challenging and feeling like that has stakes attached right and having the the last night that they were in montana it was so fun to watch it kind of go back and forth where it's like Gina doesn't feel like this person is being authentic. But then like, you know, Heather thinks that Gina's being a little fake and Tamara's mad at so-and-so for doing the one thing. Like it really felt like the, like the, the tensions within the group were almost like circular in a way that was, I feel like you don't get that very often where it feels like everybody's kind of pointing the finger in a different direction and it, they're not all even all about the same thing, but that it's like, okay, this is like, th- we're cooking with gas. Like there's, this is spicy. It feels like ev- anybody could be mad at anybody else on the right day for the wrong reason. And like, that's, it's exciting. It's giving knives out. Yes. It is giving Orange County knives out. Like knives out at Nobu Malibu or wherever the fuck they De- were. Nobu De- Devil County. Devil Rebel a knives out mystery. Like literally though. <laughs> it's it's giving me everything is happening at once and I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm extremely here for the ride. Like I I don't know how I, this just I mean, my well, God. Well, I'm like, I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't be happier or more satisfied. Yeah. And also at the beginning of the season, it's so funny because the first in the first episode, Heather and Gina are already sort of expressing that it's like, oh, well, I felt like after we stopped filming last season, Gina wasn't really that she didn't want to have that fr- a friendship that much. Mm-hmm. And then Heather feels like, you know, Gina feels like Heather's not, you know, dismissive of her or a good enough friend, whatever. And then. At the beginning of the season, I was kind of like, okay, but like, do I really buy that you guys were that close in the first place? Like, I don't know if I really care about this. Mm. But now coming back to it, 
episode seven or whatever week we're on, it's like, oh, never mind. I think this is fun. <laughs> like when they're at Nobu and Gina's like, oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> Gina, Gina making an issue out of when she tells Heather that she's studying for her real estate license, Heather deigning to say, oh yeah, my son is doing that too. She's like, how was I supposed to feel that he's 18 and I'm a grown woman and you're comparing us? And it's like, you're taking the same fucking test. It would have been bizarre for Heather not to be like, oh, my son's doing that. But then also I get where she's coming from. I was about to say, I get where she's coming from. That's one of those things where it's like, it takes a couple times to like click in for me where I was like, oh wait, I actually do get where Gina's coming from. But it's everyone is questioning Heather's intent. It's like, we're talking about the impact, but at every point people are saying your intent was poor. And that's where I'm like, this is fascinating because I have never seen Heather Dubrow get so consistently dragged in this way. And I was really not into her vibe last season and I am extremely into her being in like the a position without as much power and control as she Mm -hmm. had before and I'm honestly agreeing with a lot of what she's saying in response I do think people are being too much but I love it I also love to watch it Emily being like you Heather Dubrow at 50 years old must know that you can come across condescending and she's like but surely you know that that's not my intention. <laughs> and what was on the chopsticks or the candle or something? Is They're... like, we're too fabulous to shovel shit or something? Yeah. It was on like a card? <laughs> <laughs> like, sweetie, like Heather. Poor Heather. Because Heather's thinking like Montana will bring us together. And it's like, no, we don't need you to give positive horoscopes to these women right now. They're going to turn it against you. Like, know your own personality like, astrology. To like, like, sweetie. Emily, to like Emily Simpson being like, well, actually, there's nothing wrong with shoveling shit shit i think tamra said that too (laughs) like like you're a piece of shit if you question and shoveling and it's like but i don't think any you know it's like yeah we need shit to be shoveled absolutely and heather definitely can have her head up her ass but it's these women it's there's come on there's a little hypocrisy hypocrisy taking place in this like nobody in this cast is like aspiring to shovel shit you could argue we have in watching some of these previous seasons (laughs) We're not too fabulous We're to watch the, some of this. The, the graveyard shift at the shit shoveling <laughs> we, factory. We try. <laughs> that might be the title of the app, honestly. <laughs> I also saw somebody online be like, Gina's like... I can't stop snorting. I'm so sorry. Don't yell at me. G- Gina's like fascinated by these little gifts that Heather gives her. She's like, I barely just got back from Montana and she already has my name on a candle. How does she do it? And somebody's like, Gina, money. <laughs> literally i did like it's it's not that hard you just have to pay extra literally i did an event a cocktail event for a billionaire like a multiple multi-billionaire and i remember at one point the uh you know the billionaire couple the wife reaching out and saying you know could we we were just it's the day before the event and she was like can we i was just thinking of like something on like an m&m or something and i made <laughs> one call and within I don't know how many minutes just a couple I was like here are the 13,000 things that we can do for you in the next 24 hours before I produce this fucking event at your home like we could make a new form of chocolate that hasn't it's yet kind of appeared in the lexicon of chocolate flown in from where hand walked from Paris it's kind of with amazing. your face on it it's kind of amazing that Gina has moved in this circle for five or six years now and it's still just like personalizing be- bewildered by the idea of wealth but also she's like you've got 
heated towel bars. But also, I'm bewildered by wealth. Like, like I want to be cast on Orange County so I can go to a single dinner at Nobu, not eat anything because I don't eat fish, but get one of those fucking Tom Ford candles because those candles are expensive. We went, you and yeah, I went really to the, nice the Dubai screening oh, yeah, the and they candles. gave us like $100 oh. candles. I haven't opened the box because it's so expensive. Oh, baby, mine's gone. Oh, is it? I don't know anyone I like enough to light it. Like, I was talking to a friend who was like, oh yeah, when you have company over, I was like, no, they can get my fucking fancy $30 candles. Like, it's literally, it's probably melted down. God forbid. <laughs> I will cry until forever. It's so fucking hot in New York. I won't light it. It's like the nicest candle I'll ever own in my life. And I got it for free, which makes it so much nicer because I didn't have to pay for it. Like, I, I, so for, she's just handing out like six Tom Ford candles. Heather, if you're listening, we could do a pod swap or you could just send me a candle with Sarah or Clophis on it and I'll still drag you every episode. But I would really <laughs> appreciate that candle. No, but we drag- How much are Tom Ford candles? There's gotta be at least 75. I would guess. It could be a couple hundred. I would guess probably more because if you buy like a Tom Ford fragrance, it's like yeah, $300. Fuck, I, got a, I got a bottle of fucking Fabulous for free, which is like a three or $400 bottle. And yeah. I loved it. And I still have the bottle. It's literally right there because it's adorable. I got a Tom Ford dupe from Dossier for like 50 bucks. Oh, Tom Ford. I have Tom Ford fragrance um, that I um, get whenever there's like a discount thing. Um, I'm so curious about the cost of Tom Ford candles. I just like to go through the day and be Heather Durrell. P.S. She just bought a 16 million, which was on sale. It was 50% off. It was like on sale for like literally 31 yeah, and 32 a, million. She got a really good deal. Okay. So the fucking fabulous candle house, is, uh, yeah, it actually is unattractive. It looks like a McMansion. She got a, um, the fucking fabulous candle. I don't know if it was that was the one that she got, but those are one thirty five, mm-hmm. and then there are others that are one forty, others that are ninety nine. So there's a range. Yeah. Certainly, the range is out of my range, but um, God bless being at that table because that means something to Gina. I mean, yeah. that's and that's a week of whatever. They got to eat the food, and they got to eat the. And She's like, ta- Gina's Taylor was like, I finally got to taste Nobu. <laughs> <laughs> for literally the only time in her life um can i ask you a question we literally have to wrap we've been recording for 19 hours uh the last episode that went up on on the ag classic on the classic ag was uh with a guest jackie schultz so fun who talked about the fact that forget if it was that gina was in her top five or that she really likes gina and if you had seen the look on my face of honestly delight when she said that because there are so few people in this world and I've had two of them on AG who who stand for Gina. I find it delightful it's to a, hear about. Yeah. It's it's really enjoyable because so many people shit on her online. Not to say she doesn't deserve it, but like I don't know. That she, you know, it's a, to have a strong emotion about Gina is fascinating. Yeah. And yet I I don't I understand it, but I was curious for your thoughts from a content creation world the responses that Gina themed content gets and also your thoughts on Gina and the general reaction around her, which is very polarizing. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, it's I all, feel, it's a lot. I feel like I'm like smiling hard right now. Cause you I, are smiling. I, okay. Top five. No, but I, is she in your top 10? Mm-hmm. Emily's in my top 10. Probably right not. But like, I think Gina is so fun to have on the show. And like, I my mouth is open again. I don't disagree. I just it's so fascinating. I think for the last few seasons, she has been a top contributor in terms of like the Casita group vibe mm-hmm. of Orange County. Yeah. And especially when you consider two seasons ago, how like we were 
down in the depths of hell with Orange County, mm. I think she was kind of a bright spot. The season that was like Kelly and Bronwyn and Elizabeth Vargas and then like Emily, her and Shannon, like we can never go back. Like Gina was in the top half of that cast, certainly. And like I every season that she's come back to me, I have felt like it was kind of a no brainer to bring her back. I wow. got to be honest. And I know people people like the the money aspect is something that people kind of like harp on that and it's like hair. she's not rich she's not rich the hair looks a lot better now the com- so much better the confessional looks though one of them is very like um this season I said she looks like one of the six chicks in 13 going on 30 like the like 80s like high school click it's like very like orange neon she also has like Whitney Rose instincts <laughs> for glam which yeah, are not always great yeah, not yeah, always yeah. great um but I just like I think she is interesting i think she she is fun to watch for me in a way that is unique on this franchise certainly on oc certainly and i would say she is polarizing in terms of from a content standpoint i don't know that i do a ton of like gina themed content but (laughs) that might be a, a strong word but like i don't think she's not one of the most hated housewives i don't think are there any current housewives, we don't have to get into reasons why, who elicit the strongest negative attention current housewives? Um, is it like new, is it like Tree v. Melissa stuff? I think, yeah, for the most part, the housewives that I think get like the largest like number Backlash. of yeah. negative responses yeah. are just people who either are like in a very strong feud, like Teresa or Melissa, mm-hmm. or like... La- like last season Rinna people were fucking over her like people were not fucking over her in the way that she has hypothesized on Instagram of people strategically trying to ruin her but no people over were her just, as in like people were, we're over, over it. you like, yeah if I ever were to repost like one of her dancing videos yeah you're or fucked. Some TikTok, you're people fucked. are like get her off the show she's boring she's boring she's boring we don't want to see it over it over it this is tired this is tired like grow up I don't know like that honestly, Lisa Rinna in the last couple seasons of Beverly Hills is wow. one of the top ones I can think of in terms of like so polarizing. I don't hate her because she's like my fave's enemy. I hate her because I'm like hate her. I just don't don't like her. Wow. Which is it's funny because I mean Lisa I think had such a interesting arc on Housewives where she was kind of this like iconic whatever we she came to... in great she was she was great for a while and then she it was whatever and then it became incredibly unfortunate yeah i think um i'm trying to think who else i mean sit in the same vein of Teresa and melissa like a lot of people just hate margaret a lot of oh, pe- a lot of people do hate margaret a yeah, lot yeah, of, yeah even jackie like uh, that whole yeah, side of new jersey jackie. gets a lot of flack those poor women on new jersey <clears throat> deal with so much insanely toxic energy it's wild and i think also i see it sometimes for like giselle um yep. there there's like a contingent of people i think especially people who see themselves as like karen huger stands yeah that they just think giselle is like nasty honestly and then separate from giselle giselle and robin as a duo yeah. and then separate entirely from them candace yeah i think potomac has strong feelings potomac, about potomac gets a lot of strong reactions and yeah. i think i mean they are a cast who has has been through a lot and yeah. there have definitely been below the belt moments in that cast and sure. i think you know as somebody who thinks candace is um you know captivating on the show there yep. have been moments for her that are not great yeah um and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the 
it's interesting to see when there is negativity about housewives when it is based on a conflict that's happening on the show versus mm-hmm. when it's just kind of like we don't like this person it's so interesting sometimes um you know the conversation around who's like your trigger housewife is so interesting yeah and i keep referencing danielle staub as my trigger <laughs> because that's the historical trigger but i do think my current trigger is diana from beverly hills someone who when she is mentioned i just get a little upset like mm. it just like it just kind of activates me yeah who do you have a historic trigger and a current trigger and it could be the same thing someone who just like when you think of them honestly not really, not really. I, I don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever had that strong of a yeah like i hear you internal reaction mm-hmm. to anyone on housewives i think there are people that i have really not enjoyed yeah on their respective shows and that i'm you know glad they're not on the show anymore but i i think i'm trying to think if there's anybody i think honestly like when i see like Jax taylor's tweets pop up i'm like this Mm. fucking guy but (laughs) i don't i don't think there's anybody that i really am like triggered by yeah i get that which is probably good i don't know (laughs) do you have a um spiritual housewife someone Mm. who you connect with or you see yourself in or is your spiritual housewife because their behavior is kind of some stuff that you try to avoid someone who you connect with and it doesn't have to be positive necessarily but there is something there energetically personality wise however you choose to define it it's your spiritual housewife i think um doesn't have to mean you love them but it can (laughs) if you wanted to I'm trying to give you like a good answer. I just have it be an honest answer. It doesn't have to. Be no, good. I know, I know, I know. I, I like, re- I really like Sutton. I love that. And you and and to choose her as your spiritual housewife. Can you tell me why? I think I just feel like she gets flustered in her personal relationships sometimes, which I think is relatable. And I think she can kind of get in her own way, which I. Th- feel like I could relate to sometimes but also I just think she's like I just like enjoy her and like I I I feel like she's like a like a a real girl like I just like I don't know (laughs) I don't know I don't know if that's like in an hour I'll probably be like wow that was like not the correct answer for me but I don't know sometimes the quickest answer is the most truthful honestly like Sutton and Garcelle to me are two of my like current yeah top housewives and so i think like that kind of duo like i i really like the way they approach things for the most part and um i don't know like i feel like in terms of like there's nobody that i feel like i relate to that strongly but i think in terms of people i feel like i would gel with and like their kind of view of things i feel Mm -hmm. like garcelle is somebody that pops up for me too and this has been a nineteen thousand hour episode (laughs) and so i'm so thankful to you but can we end with your top five um and it can be however you'd like to define it however you see it for yourself yeah sure um garcelle for sure um i'm going this is more like current i feel like than like however it can can change every day of the week if you'd like it to um yeah so right now i'll give you garcelle lisa barlow (laughs) she's in mine too and it makes me laugh when i say it um oh god you did have a a soda she would approve. <laughs> I you gave my like Banera Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, Lisa Barlow. Garcelle um, Lisa Barlow. 
Dr. Nicole. Oh, love. And you, you, if you guys could see, and thank God we don't do video because I would never, ever do it. But I wish we had video in this moment because you are glowing. Um, you are literally glowing as wait, you are okay. naming these Stop people. Lisa, Dr. This is a facial. Uh, um, I think Margaret. Wow. Right now, Into it. Margaret or Melissa? Very different choices, honestly. I know, I know, I know. I, know. I just like, I'm trying to get. I'm trying wow, to, wow, 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 wow. We don't have time to unpack it. So that'll be a next time. Um, Margaret. Into it. She's Margaret. so funny. Um, and then I think, let's see. She gave her a book. I need to read it. It's good. She was like, oh, you don't want a second copy. I was like, baby, you didn't sell me the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on your list. Um, and I think for my fifth, um, I'll just give it to Sonia. She's, she's oh, around. Oh, Sonia. Sexy J. Oh, we love Sexy J. Yeah. I mean, listen, on that. But actually, oh. maybe if I had one more. Yeah, please. Ashley Darby. Lo- what a list. Dylan. But this is like, okay. You, oh, I love talking I have, about this. I, I literally. Really, I dug deep for this yeah. because this is not, that's not like how I think about housewives, I would say. Like, I don't Same. really, I don't spend very much time having favorites Same. or thinking about favorites. Aside or, from Shannon, saying. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm pretty disconnected in the sense of like Top personal enemy. feelings yeah. about housewives. Oh, not same. Not like personal feelings, but like. Lists. Like who, I, like who I like and dislike. I'd like, I, yeah. it's more like situation based. I mean, and yeah. so like, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting exercise for me. Cause I feel like it's not something that I just have ready to go. Whereas so many people that I meet and talk to, they're like, who's your favorite housewife? Mine is this person. And I'm like, I don't, uh. I can't, I, the thing with top five housewives, unlike, I think you asked me or somebody asked me for my favorite movies the other day. And I had an absolute, that's a tough one. That was impossible. I was like, here's a top 30 and I'm not giving you the first 29. Like <laughs> I can't, I started to spiral. I was out of control. Um, but you know, there's something to be said for really forcing yourself to have a top five that fills all five slots. And mine has changed over time. Yeah. I mean, but listen, I'm here for it. Dylan Hafer, I could talk to you forever. We technically have. Thank you so much for coming on AG. You know, I adore you. I just like, honestly, you were truly glowing at points. If we did have a video, which we will not. You know, Dr. Nicole, I was like, you did. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Can you tell the AGs where they can follow you on social before you take a very long nap? Yeah, of course. You and can follow me. You can follow me stuff. at Dylan Hafer. You can follow at Bravo by Betches for all of my uh, housewives, etc. content and listen to the Mention It All podcast wherever you get your Andy's girls. Uh, we do usually three episodes a week um, right now, obviously talking about all the housewives. Cy De Silva is going to be on <gasps> on Wednesday this week. So that's exciting. Very um, exciting. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's about it. <laughs> I don't know. Middle name, social security, phone, birthday, not including year. Um, <laughs> listen, Dill, thanks so much for coming on the on the AG Classic. And speaking of all things classic, what an episode this was, and what an episode Patreon AGs will get this week when I have yet another look, exploration, journey, talking about all things Jill and Bethany, and a satchel of gold, a thought and feel question and concern sent to me by you folks listening, also known as AGs, um, which you can send to me on Instagram via 
Dame Galley. It's the second time recently that I have forgotten what my handle is on Instagram. Doing great. Or listen to those Patreon exclusive episodes and support the pod. Number one way to do so. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. You can also message me there and let me know your thoughts and feels about what's going on on EG, what's going on on specific franchises. And the satchel of gold that I got is concerning spiritual and trigger housewives. And I gasped and I sent the AG like 15 exclamation points and said, oh my God, satchel, like all caps. And it was an incredibly interesting observation and exploration. So that Patreon episode will go up this week. And Dill, I'm so thankful. I, you know, I adore you. Oh my God. I don't know what's going to happen with BravoCon, but (laughs) I mean, the panel that we could just have every week would just be one that I would treasure. This is, this was our BravoCon panel, potentially. (laughs) And I love that journey for us. Um, On that note, guys, thanks for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.